Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. Lifehouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. Well, good morning, Lifehouse. I tell you, it's always good to be here with you guys. I love you guys. I mean, you always just make us feel right at home, um, just so kind, so generous and everything. And uh, you said that I'm family now, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and text Bacon to a uh, thing. And I just want to let the person know in advance, if you get these random text messages, I'm just texting in my order. So if I text sausage, omelet, you know, don't worry about it. it it's, it's not me. Um, so, but again, I just want to say thank you. And I want to just, you know, John and Pastor John and Kristen are such dear friends to my wife, Rebecca, and I. And so you have some amazing pastors. And so why don't you, can we just do this? Can we just show honor to your pastors this morning, show your appreciation to them? Yes. And so thank you, thank you. I know he's not here, but you're probably watching or you're going to watch this later. Thank you, Pastor John, for just being such a great friend. Um, my wife is here. And so I'm just always glad to have her, Rebecca, my, my better half. So uh, she's here. So I guess I got to be good this morning. So I'm, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good because, um, yeah, I, I don't want to be in the doghouse later. Um, but if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter uh, 14. And so we'll jump right in. But before we do that, how many of you got something that you just you don't do? You're, you're you're either afraid, you got a little bit of kind of a, a phobia of it. For some people, it's snakes. For some, it's roaches, spiders. Anybody have something like that? Uh, well, I, I, mine, I, since we're family now, I could be a little bit open and share some things with you. Can I, can I do that? I don't like squirrels, y'all. <laughs> now, let me explain to you why I don't like squirrels. Because squirrels are evil. I mean, we lived in a condo in Hampton. For, for years. And I would, I mean, every year I would have to buy a new trash can because those jokers would chew through the trash can to get to the trash. I mean, let me tell you how, cru- how, how just crazy these squirrels are. We got a dog like two, three years ago. And, you know, most squirrels, you know, you bark and you know, any animal, they just kind of run, a dog barks or whatever. Our dog, the squirrels would tease her in the, in, the, in the patio door. I mean, she would be barking and they'd just be looking at her. You know, just kind of staring at her, nibbling on, you know, and just looking at her. I mean, squirrels, I hate squirrels. I mean, they're evil. They're just, ugh. Well, what happened? And you know when you start for a story, what happened? So that's just so I won't get you locked in, what happened? And so um, my wife, who's here, uh, and so, again, I'm going to be good. Um, she had been telling me for a couple weeks, she's like, um, you know, babe, I just hear this weird noise that's going on. And I'm thinking, you know what? Uh, mm, I don't hear no noise. Maybe, I don't know. Just, just crazy. So one day she was gone. And so while she was gone, I don't know, she's probably hanging out with Kristen. I don't remember. Um, and so uh, I would hear the, I heard the noises too. They were like scratching in the wall. And I'm like, Maybe it's our neighbor, because we lived in a condo, so I'm like, well, maybe neighbor has a cat, cat scratch and whatever. But then I was like, wait a minute, our neighbor don't have a cat. I'm like, oh, my goodness, we got rats, we got mice. I'm like, I'm freaking out. So I called that week, I called our pest control company. They came out. They looked around the condo. They're like, Mr. Howell, um, 
I mean, we're going to lay some traps down, but there is no evidence that you got any mice or anything. There's no droppings. There's no nothing. But so that, you know, make you feel better, we're going to put some traps down. So you look and check and see, and if you see one in there, you got them. I'm like, cool, cool enough. So, you know, I checked after a couple of days, and there's no, 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 no mice. So I'm like, well, that's good. You know, no mice. So then Becca's gone again. But, and, and, I, and she kept saying, she kept hearing the noise. And I'm like, well, they put down rat traps. Have you heard a rat trap go off? No, we don't have anything. It's just all, maybe it's just all in your head. So she leaves again. She's gone. I don't remember where she's going. She's probably hanging out with Kristen. I don't know. Um, and so, uh, so, um, so I hear the noise again. And I'm like, I know I'm not crazy. I know I'm not crazy. So I'm investigating. I'm going in the kitchen, and I'm hearing the noise in the kitchen. And it's like coming from around the oven, the stove. So I'm like, I pull it back and look behind. There's, there, there's nothing there. I'm like, I know I'm not going crazy. And all of a sudden, it gets louder. But I'm hearing it in the overhead exhaust. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I did what every good band would do. I just turned on the exhaust fan. Because I'm like, whatever's in there, guess what? You're gone now. So I turn on the exhaust fan, and all of a sudden it goes, dud. And I'm like, oh, um, okay. Like, I got to figure out what this is. And so, you know, I take off the little filter thing, and I look up, and staring back at me is a squirrel. The squirrel is stuck in the exhaust fan. And he's looking at me. And I'm about this time, I've dropped the filter. I'm like, babe, we have a squirrel in the house. And she's like, well, what are we going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. So I did what any good man would do. I, I was running a discipleship program school back then called Master's Commission. And so I called a delegation. I'm like, how many guys are available there? Bring all of them. Come, come. I got a squirrel in the house. And I figured, you know, half the guys were from the country. So, I mean, hey, them country folks, they know what to do. I mean, I'm like, I don't care what you do with the squirrel. I don't care if you eat it afterwards. I don't want to know what you did with it. You can mob boss it. I don't care. You know, I just don't want you to know what happened. So they come over. You know, they come in, you know, kind of like the seven dwarves. They're coming in. Oh, you know, they're, 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 they're all happy and stuff. Oh, we got this. We got this. I'm like, okay. So I said, well, look, this is what you guys could do. We'll drop, I grab the trash can. Why don't one of y'all hold the trash can, and then one of y'all drop the exhaust fan, and let it trawl in the trash can, and then y'all could take it, dispose of it, dispose of the body. I don't want to know what it is. Put in the trunk. I don't care. So I'm there, and I'm kind of standing far. I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm making sure, you know, everything's good. So at the moment they decide to drop the fan, the guy holding the trash can gets a little jumpy. So he jumps back. The squirrel falls, but it doesn't fall in the trash can. It falls on top of the oven, and it starts running. Now, I can neither confirm nor deny but I may or may not have got up on a chair and started screaming. And so I'm on a chair. I, like I said, I can neither confirm or deny because I blacked out at that moment. And so I just know this. They're screaming. And so wife is screaming. Kids are screaming. The guys are screaming. Squirrels running around the house. So finally, they corner the squirrel. They get it. They take it. They get it away. My heart is at peace. And so I think. So a day passes by. And so we're coming home from church, and we do the glorious church naps. Anybody know those, how glorious those Sunday naps are? Some of you are like, hurry up, because I got one coming, you know. I'll try to make it fast. But so we're coming home, and so we nap, and I'm going to get something to drink, and I'm opening up the counter to get the cabinet, to get a cup, to get something to drink. And I look down, 
and staring at me on the counter is a squirrel. I'm like, what in the heck? I mean, come to find out, we had a squirrel infestation that was inside the, the, the thing there. And I mean, again, we had to go through the whole process over again. But And so I don't do squirrels, y'all. I mean, I, I just don't do squirrels. I stay away from them. But for me, it's a squirrel. But for some of you, just on a serious note, some of you have this anxiety and this fear. And we live in a world and a society where now fear is on, I mean, it's on steroids. We live in a culture where fear is prevalent, fear of another pandemic, fear of what's going on in politics, who's in the office and what they're going to do, fear of all these things, fear of death. Some of you, I mean, think about it. You go to the doctor. It's already ingrained, like, what's your family history? And they give you this checklist where you got a checklist off everything you have. And, and for some of you, you know you don't have it, but that moment you read it, you kind of get a symptom that you feel like's a symptom, and you think, well, maybe I do have it. Or like you read on Wikipedia, you get sick, and you're like, oh, let me see what this is. And all of a sudden, you read all of the symptoms down there, and all of a sudden, it's like, I'm going to die. But I'm serious, though. Or think about a couple years ago with COVID. The whole world was in fear. Oh, no, you don't have on a mask, or you have on a mask, or you go and somebody sneezes. Lord forbid somebody sneezes. We all have this fear. And, and really, if you're honest, anxiety is on an all-time high. It's almost as if there's been a spirit of fear that has been released in our culture where we fear everything and we operate our lives off of fear and what I mean by that is and when I say this fear is a natural emotion that we have let, let, let's just get that out of the way there is a healthy type of fear when I go to the zoo and I see the lion I don't stick my hand through the cage and try to pet the little kitty because I fear what the cat will do so that fear keeps me from danger and when I pass the lion's cage all that emotion goes away because I'm away from it. But what happens is there is an unhealthy, irrational fear that when you wake up in the morning, you're thinking about that thing. When you go to bed at night, you're thinking about that thing. All throughout the day, it grips you that anytime you think about it, it's like your palms get sweaty. It's like you, your whole life is guided because of fear. And so... What happens when that comes? How do we live our lives in fear? I mean, people will pay thousands of dollars going to therapy, and I'm not saying anything's wrong with therapy uh, because I, I've been there and everything, so I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is because there's such this fear and anxiety, we're trying to figure out how do we deal with it? How do we cope with it? And I believe this morning that Jesus has something to say about it. So like I said, if you have your Bibles, John chapter 14. Now, let me explain to you what's happening. Jesus has just told his disciples, I'm getting ready to die. I'm leaving you. Matter of fact, not only am I leaving you, but one of y'all, one of y'all going to snitch. One of y'all snitch. And one of y'all going to sell me out. And so now they're scared because they're like, wait a minute. 
Jesus is leaving us. What do I do? I mean, I've given, I left everything to follow him. And now he's telling us we're getting ready to leave. And then he's telling us that one of us is a sellout. One of us is going to betray him. And they're all thinking like, who? I mean, there, so there is literally, there's some fear that's going on. Their fear, what is our life going to look like? Jesus protected us. People are trying to kill us. And now if Jesus is not there, then what does that mean for us? Man, we can't go back. We left everything to follow Jesus. And now he's leaving us. What does that mean for us? And they tried to kill him. They tried to kill us. Jesus protected us, but he ain't going to be here no more. And then he's saying that one of us is going to betray him. So now is he going to be mad with us? And is he going to not? I mean, they're just all this stuff. And so he gets to chapter 14 and he even opens up the chapter with saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. But then he goes down to verse 26 and he says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And he says again, do not let your hearts be troubled. And what? Do not be afraid. Why would Jesus say, do not be afraid, if there was a tendency for us to be afraid? Matter of fact, when you read scripture, one of the commands that you'll see a lot of times is what? Do not be afraid. Or what? Do not fear. Why? Because we have a tendency not to fear, and, and it's not a natural fear, but we have a tendency sometimes to have this irrational fear. Matter of fact, it's one of the enemy's greatest weapons that he uses. Matter of fact, think about this. Go back to the book of Genesis. The first thing, one of the first things the enemy used with after sin happened, after sin came in the world, what was one of the first things that came in? Fear. Matter of fact, you go to chapter 3, and, and, and God is, is looking for Adam, and he says, hey, Adam, where are you? Now, he really knew where Adam was, but he was calling and said, where are you? And then Adam says, I'm here. He says, why are you hiding? He's like, I hid because I was afraid. And along with that fear followed what comes a lot of times with fear is shame. Fear and shame. And that's what the enemy uses a lot of times, fear and shame to keep us. Fear is grippling. Fear is, it's so insidious. Matter of fact, fear has such an impact on our lives that we don't even realize it. Do you realize that fear impacts your past, your present, and your future? And you say, well, how does it impact your past? There are a lot of times that our fears develop, and sometimes, you know, fears are irrational, and we have them, we just don't know why we have them, but a lot of times fear happens because of sometimes experiences that we've had. You know, some of us, we've had a grandparent die from a disease. We've had a parent die from a disease. We have a sibling die from the disease, and now what do we say because that happened in the past and that happened to them, is it going to happen to me? And so we have this fear or you're in a relationship or you've not had a string of good relationships and this person broke your heart in the past. And so now in the present, you think this person's going to do the same thing. And so you have this fear. And then now this fear takes you into the future that I'll, people will always break my heart. You know, my wife and she's here and I've asked her permission to share this. I'm a smart man. But but. As we were married, I would realize that we would be driving over a bridge or 
or anything, or maybe she got startled, and it would just be, you know, and we get startled, we get a little bit, you know, but it would just be like, she would like, for dear life. I mean, and it wasn't my driving, because I'm a good driver. But it would be like, I mean, even when she's driving, you would know she would just tense up at times. I mean, get very tense. And, and it would take her a long time to kind of just relax. And she would hate that she was like that because it's like she, her palms would get sweaty. She would just get so anxious about things. Even if she was out somewhere, it would just be anxious. And, and when she went and talked to some woman about it, she realized that this fear came because when she was a little girl, she was on a roller coaster with her sister and her bar didn't lock. And she almost fell out of the roller coaster. Her sister had to catch her and pull her back in and physically hold her down held her down and so that fear in the past equated to fear in the present which then equated to in her mind she was thinking I'm gonna die by something traumatic you see how fear grips you it grips you that way fear controls and for some of us in this room today there are things that have happened in your past that you've got to allow the Lord to come in and heal because it is causing you anxiety it's affecting the way your relationship with God it's affecting your relationship with others because the enemy has got you in a spirit of fear and you want to know the dangerous part about fear it keeps us on this insidious loop of what if what if? Well, what if this happens? What if, what if I do get the disease? What if they do leave me? What if I never get another job? What if I don't have this? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And you know the insidious nature of it is, is that 99.99999% of the times, your what ifs never happen. But the enemy will keep you rehearsing it over and over and over and over again and you will lose your joy you lose your peace you lose your hope because the enemy knows it works but I want you to listen to what what we have because Paul is telling Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 he says this for God has not given us a spirit a spirit not of oh let's go back for God gave us a spirit not of, but of power and love and self-control. Some translations will tell you, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. What does all of that mean? Well, let me first tell you a little bit just really quick about the context when Paul was writing this. Paul was writing this to Timothy. He was writing this letter to Timothy. And he was writing this. This was probably his last letter because he was executed soon afterwards. But he was writing this to Timothy, who was a pastor of the church in Ephesus. And so he was trying to encourage Timothy because there were a lot of fear that was going on. I mean, and let me tell you why there was some fear going on. Because this was the first time that the church had endured a political persecution. Now, the church was persecuted earlier, but it wasn't a political persecution. It was a religious persecution. And so why they were getting politically persecuted was because Nero was in charge. And if you know anything about Nero, Nero was crazy. 
And so Nero ended up, he burned down Rome. There was a fire set to Rome. Rome burned down, and so he burned it down. And I don't want to go into all the reasons why, um, but Nero accused the Christians of burning down the city. And so now, since they burnt the city down, Nero blamed all the Christians, and now what was it? We got to kill all the Christians because they burnt down our city. And so Timothy is pastoring now in this type of environment where now there is really fear. There's lots of fear going on. I mean, you want to talk about fear, knowing that, hey, if you get caught and you're a Christian, you're going to be burned alive. Christians were getting burned alive, thrown to lions. That's some fear. And so he's writing this and he tells him, God did not give you a spirit of fear. So that fear that you are feeling, whether you're Timothy or whether you're in this room, is not of God. Because God does not give you a spirit of fear. So that fear of what's going to happen to you, that that fear of whether you're going to die prematurely, that fear of that's never going to work out, that fear, those sweaty pumps, that is not of God because God does not give you a spirit of fear. So then, okay, you're telling me this, Pastor Teldon. So then what do I do then when I feel afraid? How do I handle this? What do I do? I'm glad you asked. I know you didn't, but I'm going to tell you anyway. So if you go to Isaiah 41.10, and it's on the, on the screen here, I believe that God tells us what we can do, and there's a way, because it's like, what does that all mean? Power, love, and a sound mind, all that stuff, self-control. What does that mean? It means this. Isaiah says this. It says, so do not fear. There we go again. Do not fear. For I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That scripture right there has everything that we need to battle fear. That scripture right there, it tells us everything we need to where we can apply what 2 Timothy 1.7 says. And you say, well, how is that? Number one, it tells us that we have power. Why will we have power? Because God says that he will strengthen us. Do you want to realize that one of the things that fear does, it takes away your your power. Where you feel like you have no power to control what's going on. You don't have control, so you fear. And so we're always trying to do things to try to control what we can do. And we feel so helpless and powerless. Do you realize that in the Son of Translations, I said where it says in First Timothy or 2 Timothy 1.7, it said, for God did not give us a spirit of fear. Sometimes that's translated as timidity. And that word in the Greek that it uses for fear and timidity, it means really to be a coward. And you say, well, that's harsh. Well, no, what does fear does? Fear causes us to shrink back in cowardness. That's why when you read scripture, when God always says, do not fear, do not be afraid. Think about, let's take Joshua, for example, in scripture. God told him, do not be afraid. But what he told him, he said, be strong and courageous. Why? Because there's a tendency when we are in fear, we hide, we cower back, we, we, we don't try to face our fear head on. And so we know here that we have power. We are not powerless because God has the power and he gives that power to us. You see, when we are living in fear, we feel hopeless and powerless and we feel like the thing that we fear 
or have anxiety about, we feel like it has all the power in the world because it's controlling everything about us. So we have power because God will strengthen you. But then he says, not only do you have power, but you have, you, you, you have love. Well, you say, well, how does love, what does that have to do anything with fear? When you are afraid and you feel anxious, don't you feel alone? Don't you feel like if anybody knew how you feel, they would shun you? If they knew how you were, if they knew what you struggled with, they would not accept you. They would not love you. And so you suffer in silence, feeling alone and ashamed. But what God says is this. He says, not only do you have power, but you have love. Why? Because I am with you. That you're not alone. That I love you. You are my son. You are my daughter. And you are not by yourself. You are not alone. I love you. I am with you. Matter of fact, the Bible says this, that perfect love casts out fear. Now, I want to tell you who's the only one capable of perfect love. It's God. So what he's saying is, my love casts out any fear that you may have because I love you perfectly. So not only do you have the power, but you have fear, you are loved. But then what about this thing of self-control or a sound mind? You see, because what happens is we're powerless when that's thoughts. See, the battlefield is in the mind. And like I said, that fear, that what if, that what if, that what if, that goes on in your head. And so you feel like you don't have control. You feel like you don't have a sound mind. But what God says is this, that guess what? I will help you. That you're not alone. That you have the power and I will help you. Because remember, when you're in fear and anxiety, you feel so helpless. You feel so powerless. You feel like there's nothing that you can do to change your situation or change your circumstance. But see, God says you don't have to do it alone. You're not alone. Matter of fact, I will help you. So you have that. And he says this after Jesus tells him that, man, you don't have to be afraid. He tells you, he says, my peace I give to you. Do you realize that you can have peace? That not only has he given you power, love, and a sound mind, but he's giving you peace. He says, my peace I give to you. I don't give you a peace as the world gives. Do you realize that at that time, you know, that word peace is shalom. And when he means that peace that I'm not giving you as the world gives, it was very common that if you were to leave somebody's presence, you just said shalom. You said peace. And it was just kind of more like a goodbye. And what Jesus was saying, no, I'm not giving you that type of peace. I'm not telling you all this and saying, oh, goodbye. What I'm telling you is that I'm giving you a peace that no matter what happens, no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, that you are going to be okay. You are going to be whole. You're going to be whole in your mind. You're going to be whole in your body. You're going to be whole in your spirit. You're going to be whole in your emotions. Why? Because I'm giving you peace. And you want to know the great thing about that? The Bible says that he is the prince of peace. That he is peace him very, his very self. 
And so he said, I'm not giving you that type of peace of shalom, goodbye, throw up the deuces, I'm out. What he's saying is, I'm giving you my peace, that I am with you. I'm giving you me. Matter of fact, remember earlier in the verse, he says, I'm sending you a helper. I'm not leaving you by yourself. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to be with you all the time so that you are never alone, so that you always have peace accompanying you. So how do we have peace? And I want to do this acronym. If you know me, I hate acronyms. I really do. But I saw this great acronym. I'm like, well, that's good. Because I'm more like, can a word just be a word? Does it have to have this deeper meaning? And if you grew up in church and was in the youth group in the 80s and 90s, you know every youth group name was an acronym. And so I just hate it. Or some of you, you might be in the military, and military loves their acronyms as well. Um, somebody's like, yes, oh, Lord. Matter of fact, you just kind of remembered some in the back of your mind, like, I got to do this Monday. And so, but what is the acronym for peace? Number one, we can have peace by, number one, pray about the situation. That's why it's so important that prayer has to be our default. Because when we're afraid, the first thing that we do is not to pray about it. The first thing we do is we actually give power to our situation because we start dwelling on it. And we start trying to control and we take that baggage, we take that fear upon ourselves. But when we have peace, we pray about the situation first. That, Lord, I don't know what I'm trying to do. I don't know how to do. I don't know how to navigate. Lord, you know what's coming at me. And so I need for you to take this. Prayer has to be your default. Pray about the situation. But then the second thing, the E, it says evaluate what the Bible says. That's why it's so important that you must know Scripture. That's why you have to fill your mind with Scripture. Because if you don't know what the Bible says... You don't know what's available to you. That you don't know that you don't have to fear. You don't know that the Lord is your light and your salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You don't know that, man, that you don't have to be anxious about anything, but you just give it to God. You don't know those things. You don't know the fact that Scripture says that he has plans for you. He has good plans. You don't know that the Bible says whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever are praiseworthy. Think on those things. You don't know the fact that the Bible says that I will never leave you nor forsake you. So if you don't know what the Bible says, you can't evaluate what the Bible says about your situation. But when you pray about it and you begin to realize what the Bible says, then you have to do something, and it's getting to the A. You have to allow and accept God's help and guidance. Because when God tells you that, hey, that all you don't need to be anxious about anything, that you could just give it to me, guess what? You got to give it to him. You got to allow him to help you. And I'll add another to that, too. We have to agree with what the Bible says about it. And what do I mean by that? Some of us stay bound in fear and anxiety because we've made agreements in our mind and in our heart with what's being happening to us. What do I mean by that is? The Bible says that, hey, that you are, that you are a royal priesthood. The Bible says that you are cherished, that you are loved, that you are accepted. But we say in our minds, I'll never be loved. I'll never be accepted. I'll never make it out. 
So you see what we said? We've just made an agreement opposite of what Scripture says. So we have to pray about this situation, evaluate what the Bible says, allow God's help and acceptance. But then the next thing is we have to choose to have faith and choose joy. We have to choose that. And what that means is those are two things that necessarily we're not going to feel like doing in the midst of what's happening. You see, what does the Bible say about faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That when fear comes your way, you have to choose to have faith. And what faith says is this, that I may not see it coming right now, but because I know the one who holds my life in the palm of his hand, it isn't a denying of a reality. Faith isn't denying reality. What faith says is, I know the one who controls reality. And so even though it may look like this right now, the one who holds my my life in the palm of his hands says that everything is going to be okay. So guess what? Everything is going to be okay. Choose faith. But you also have to choose joy. And see, joy is based on something different than happiness. We confuse happiness and joy and we use them interchangeably, but they're not interchangeable. You see, happiness is based on if everything is going right. I'm happy. And so a lot of times if you have fear and anxiety, you can't be happy because your situation doesn't dictate it. You see, it's like me saying, man, I'm happy because they got my favorite brand of water. We got that Kirkland Purify water. Oh, I love me this water. Don't bring me that great value water. I don't want none of that great value water, none of that stuff. I, I don't like that. Or don't bring me none of that, that bougie water, that, that Iceland whatever. That, no, Kirk, this is some good, refreshing H2O, the Kirkland. I'm happy. You see what that means? But what Joy says, Joy says it doesn't matter what brand it is. I have water. And so it doesn't matter if it's the bougie water. It doesn't matter if it's the great value water. It doesn't matter if it's the Kirkland water. It means that I can choose to be content because I have water. And what Joy says is, you know what? It may not look like this right now. And you know what? It may not look like this pretty soon. But you know what? I'm going to be joyful because guess what? I know the one who is in charge and I'm glad because he's on my side. And as long as I got him on my side... The Bible says that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so I can have joy all the time because I know the one that's inside of me, the one that's beside me, the one that's above me, the one that's beneath me, the one that's all around me, the one who's watching me, the one who loves me, the one who's created me is far greater than anything that could be outside of me. That's what joy says. And so let me get to E because I was about to jump to my next scripture here. But some of you, you know, if I don't give the E, that's going to just give you anxiety because um, you're one of those people that you did not say E. So I'm going to make sure even though it's on the screen, I'm going to make sure that you have your E. But what is E? It's encourage yourself and others. That you have to sometimes learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. 
that when things don't look good around, you have to be able to pray about the situation, know what scripture says, allow God to help you, choose faith and choose joy. And once you've done all of that, you just have to lift your hands up, encourage yourself and just worship. And while you're at it, go encourage somebody else, because guess what? Just like you're walking through something, guess what? I guarantee you somebody else is too. So you might as well just encourage one another. And so I love that, that you can have peace. And Jesus says that you can have peace. You know, Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4, and I love it. It says this, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust and I'm not afraid. And I love this last line because this sums up the peace. This sums up it all. It says, then what can mere mortals do to me? I want you to get that for a second. I'm going to read that again. It says, when I'm afraid, what do I do? I put my trust not in my circumstance and situation. I don't put my trust in even my ability to try to control things or fix things. I put my trust in who? I put my trust in God. And it is God who will give me strength. It is God who will help me. It is God who will never leave me alone. And it says, and in God whose word I praise, that means I worship you, God. Not only am I putting my trust in you, but I'm giving you my worship. And it says, in God, when I trust in you, I am not afraid. You want to know kind of why it's not afraid? Because remember some of you when you were little and, you know, and you were in class and somebody's threatening to beat you up, you know, and you're like, you know, my brother's going to beat you up. And you're like, well, guess what? My daddy, my daddy could beat your brother up. You know, you were happy. You didn't, you didn't have fear because, you know, my daddy. That's what he's saying here. I trust in God. And guess what? Hmm. What can mere mortals do to me? Because I got my trust in God, what can this situation do to me? Because I got my daddy behind me. Matter of fact, let me put it to you like this. And I'll close with this story. So just to give you a sigh of relief, you, you could get that nap on time. I'm closing. I'm landing the plane. But I remember, you know, a couple of years ago, I have a 13 and 11-year-old, and my youngest, 11, he was probably somewhere about six or seven. And, you know, and a lot of times, sometimes he has a hard time sleeping, and he's scared of the dark. And, um, and some of us in here, we're probably still scared of the dark, and it's okay. You know, I leave the TV on sometimes. I have to have it. But, and so he was having problems sleeping. He was scared. So he comes to our bedroom, and you want to know fear? If you got kids, you know what I'm talking about. When you have a kid that's scared of the dark, and they come to your room, and they just stand in the door frame. You just, and you wake up and you see this shadow that's standing in the doorframe and it's looking like children in the corn, looking like a little Chucky doll or something you see there. And if you got multiple kids, well, the first thing you do, who is that? Which one are you? And you know, if you got multiple, you know this, they don't answer. They just kind of stand there. They're like, will you say something, please? Just come in. Which one are you? Now, if you only got one kid and you're asking that question, then you, yeah, you need to be prayed for. Uh, you got some other type of stuff going on. But if you know, you got, so I'm like, come, can you just please come in? Come near so I can see you. Don't just be that dark shadow in the, in the, in the door frame. So he comes in, he's like, Dad, I'm scared. Like, there's something in my room. I don't know. I'm like, dude, you share a room with your brother. He's in your room. 
and yeah, I wanted to say that, but I didn't. Normally, I probably would have, but that for that night, for some reason, I was like, no, let me, let me just go with him. I said, would you like Daddy to come lay with you? He said, yeah. And so I go into his room, and I, I go into, you know, I lay in his bed with him. And this joker, in about like two minutes, he was asleep. He was knocked out. And I'm like, dude, what, what's, what is it? And at that moment, the Lord gave me a revelation of what happened. He said, Telvin, did the room change? No. Did I turn on the lights? No. Did his brother leave? No, his brother's still there snoring. What changed? It was because the presence of his daddy was in the room. And he knew that as long as dad was there with him, that he wasn't alone. And he knew that daddy was going to protect him from anything that was to come at him. So he was able to go to sleep knowing that daddy was in the room. And for some of you, you need to understand this, that you're walking through something. You have this fear. You have this anxiety. But you know what? Even in the midst of that, you can have peace. You can have hope. You can have joy. Not because your situation changes right away. Not because things get better right away. It's because your daddy is in the room. And because his presence is with you, you know that, number one, you're not alone. You know that he will strengthen you and, you will help, and he will help you. And just like the book of Psalms said in chapter 56, that when you put your trust in the presence of your daddy, what can mere mortals, what can anything do to you? I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. One of my favorite verses I even love is Psalm 27, the beginning. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And if you understand the context of that, back in those days, they would have what called strongholds, and they were like forts, like fortified cities. So armies would run into them, or people would run into them, and these walls and gates would be shut up, and they knew that nothing could get to them. And what God is saying is, what the psalmist is saying is, you know what, just like you have these fortified cities that are made of brick and mortar, sooner or later, those brick or mortar, they're going to fade. They're going to rust. They're going to break down. They're going to decay. But what he says is this, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. And so I want you to imagine if a brick building could be strong and be a stronghold and give protection, how much more will the God of the universe who created the heavens and the earth, who knit you together in your mother's womb, who told every star where it should be in the sky, who tells the sun when to come up and tell the sun when to go down, how much more will he protect you? So you do not have to and be afraid. And in just a moment, I want to pray for you that God would break the spirit of fear. Because as we said, and I hope to that you know this, that God is not giving you a spirit of fear. You don't have a spirit of fear. That doesn't come from him. 
And so what God wants to do today is you need to accept his help and his guidance. You need to stand on the promises of God and stand on what he says. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot LifeHouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about LifeHouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.